Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Capital Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm and the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to the conversation. Today I have with me Jeremy Newsom. Jeremy is considered one of the leading global minds on stock market education. He serves as the CEO of Real Life Trading and the founder of the nonprofit RL Foundation. He acutely recognizes trends and patterns in the stock market and via private mentorship, he helps others understand how to make the mental shift to trade the financial market successfully. Whether it's stocks, futures, options, or entrepreneurship, Jeremy understands how to bring financial liberation to the forefront. He's a prolific investor with early investments in companies such as Tesla, Ethereum, Apple, and square. Jeremy, good to see you again, man. What's going on? My guy. Breakfast was amazing. <laughs> so we, Jeremy and I have been trying to have breakfast for like a month, maybe more. Yep. yep. And we landed on today. And because I don't check my calendar like I should, I didn't realize until this morning that we were also recording the same day that we had breakfast. So this is a two for one special. We're still probably jacked up from the coffee we had this morning, yeah. but it actually works out really nicely because we were able to have a good conversation kind of get to know each other and now we're getting it down on tape so it's good yeah likewise man likewise really thrilled to be here and honored i appreciate the opportunity yeah and you're also my neighbor you live just around the corner so we're gonna hang out all the time we're gonna just become best friends it's gonna be awesome dude yeah complained about oak hill love it so you know not just a throwaway comment but you got a good story Um, oh man can we can we just kind of dig in a little bit i mean what you're doing now is really cool but it's informed by where you came from. So you want to give us a little bit of the background? 
I will. So my elevator pitch, at least for the first 30 seconds, is I grew up in a single-wide trailer treehouse in Georgia. I escaped a cult at 24. I became a liquid millionaire in my late 20s. I lost it all three separate times from three separate pretty recent tragic accidents. And I now teach current and future world leaders on how the stock market works and how to efficiently and effectively trade it. And that piece of that story that's, for me, the most revolutionary is... In 1994, movie Forrest Gump came out and my dad, my oldest brother, Roger, were sitting on the couch. We're watching it. We got the TV over here. We have a table that's literally a door with four cinder blocks behind me. I have a wood burning stove right here to the right of me. And I'm watching this film. Forrest Gump says, Lieutenant Dan invested into a fruit company. They no longer have to worry about money anymore. And I was poor, dude. So hearing that, kind of changed my life. I was a paradigm shift. I've never heard the words, we didn't have to worry about money anymore ever again. So to transition that, I was asking my dad, well, what's the fruit company? What's investing? So he told me about Apple. He told me about stocks and I begged him to invest and we didn't really have the money to invest. He gave me the very common phrase that I think a lot of parents, a lot of people are probably pretty familiar with. Money doesn't grow on trees, dude. All right, I can't just go out and get money. I guess I don't have a money tree. <laughs> so essentially we, I, I begged him, man, for like months. And uh, he finally caved in and said, listen, if you bring me some money, I'll match it dollar for dollar, knowing that I'm six years old. But didn't have any resources at the time, but it's not about your resources, it's about your resourcefulness. And I know most of your listeners had the resources, but at the time I did not. And for me, I viewed that as an opportunity. But with wildless, with wild optimism, six years old, no shoes, no shirt, I picked blackberries, sold them door to door for a dollar a bag, made 1500 bucks. True to my word, my dad matched it, got 1500 bucks from my uncle. And we bought $3,000 worth of Apple stock in late 1994. Why Apple? So that was it. That was the fruit company from uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah. Oh, I see. It was related yeah. back to the actual movie itself. Yeah, so that's yeah. what started you on this journey, really. That was it, man. And that, It's in the movie. It's a really cool scene, but it, he holds up the letter and it says Apple Incorporated or Apple Computers Inc. at the time. Yeah, man. That was. I just wanted to be like Forrest. I didn't want to worry about money anymore. But now all you do is think about money. It's a very good point. Very good point. I don't worry about it, though. You don't worry about it, but it's on your mind. It is on my mind. Worrying is praying for something that you don't want. Uh, and for me, I love to study money. That's what my dad told me when I was 13. Um, I asked him, what should I do with my life? He's like, go study money. Because all the men in my life up to that point were in the military. My dad, my brothers, my uncles, everyone was military. And I asked them, uh, you and I had this conversation this morning. I was like, should I join the military? And he's like, no, man, go, go study money. That's what you should do. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> so I just started reading books with the word money in the title. Now, there weren't tons of them, but Jacob Needleman at the time wrote one called Money and the Meaning of Life. Uh, he had The Richest Man in Babylon. So I read that one, Millionaire Next Door, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I started reading some of those books and I went to get a degree, finance degree, University of Florida, where they teach you all about stocks and investing and options and covered calls and derivatives. Uh, not really. <laughs> so Yeah, I, don't, I doubt that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just switched degrees and then self-taught from there, man. So- Come from nothing, you know, you, you you work, buy some Apple stock, end up going to Florida. What was that like going to a big SEC school, given the background? And were you the first person from your family to graduate from college? Mm -hmm. I was. And, um, you know, that's a good question. Like, I didn't put a lot of weight on it other than I knew it was a responsibility at the time. That was what I was supposed to do because that was the outlined path. That was a path my dad started going down probably about, I'd say 10 years before that was working, getting a job, getting a salary, taking 10% of that salary, investing into a 401k, working your face off, 
networking, shaking hands, kissing babies, climbing the corporate ladder, getting a corporate, you know, corporate vehicle, reducing your expenses and having enough money to travel every two weeks of the year, right? The, the dream, the, the, the road to success. That was it. And I was like, okay, I'll follow that road. That's the road that my dad did. That's the road that, you know, I'm going to go down. And the big, big, huge change where everything shifted was I was, the job I had, the company car job was nationwide insurance. I was a high-end car claims adjuster. So if it was a Bugatti, Bentley, Rolls-Royce, Land Rover, whatever, I was the guy. So if you got an accident, I, I was the one who sold that claim. And this was 2009, 2010. I bought some silver in my 401k. I, I literally Googled, this was my investing at this point, google.com, enter, <laughs> which silver stock to buy? I heard a bunch of it on the radio. Silver is going up. Which silver stock to buy? So the first stock that came up was First Majestic Silver. It was SEO optimized perfectly. <laughs> it's still around today, actually. Ticker symbol AG. This is and, why Google makes so much money, right? That's it, dude. So I bought... Uh, at the time, stock was $9 a share. I had $9,000 in my 401k. So I bought a thousand shares. I was all in on First Majestic Silver. It went up to $12 in like seven days. I sold it, made $3,000 net. Like that was a green profit and loss statement. $3,000. Holy smokes. That was more than I made at work in a month. My paycheck at the time, I think it was like $2,400, you know, bi-weekly, right? So $1,200 a week after taxes and 401k and all that stuff. Like, oh man, dude, that was just like huge things were going off in my head at that point. Cause I sold my Apple stock in 2000. You know, right now it's worth, I don't know, $36 million or something if I didn't sell it. Close to that number actually, which is hilarious. But I sold it for $12,000 profit in 2000 when we moved from Georgia to Florida. My dad said, this is the best, this is the best investment you'll ever do. So that trade on silver made more money than I made in a month at work. And that was a, just a game changer because now I knew that it was possible for that to happen. And then I just started doing a bunch of math and raising a bunch of money and telling people I was the best trader in the world. And then I had the secret sauce and uh, I raised some external capital from family and friends and started my own, this is an air quotes, hedge fund. <laughs> you say you left your job? Uh, you I did not at the time. Nope. Like your day job. Yeah. I, was, I was still trading and I was still working. So I worked during the day. Um, I had graduated college at this point. I graduated college at 21. So I went to college for three years. I went to fast track. And so I worked full-time, went to school full-time, graduated at 21, and I was still doing this all together at the same time. Yep. And how did the first hedge fund work out for you? <laughs> so <laughs> I know the answer, but... You, you know the answer. Yeah, dog. You know, <laughs> everyone listening knows the answer. Yeah. So, oh man, it, it went good for the first three or four months. And I say hedge fund loosely because I know very well what hedge funds are now, and I wasn't using any hedging principles whatsoever. But secondly, I also didn't commingle money. I didn't know if that was illegal or not. But I was like, you know what? Let me just err on the side of caution. And so I got the login, right? Login and password of each friend and family member or whatever. And we just log into their account and place the trades in their account. Really? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I had, you know, nine people that I would just go in, boom, 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 every day or every week and just bang, 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 set trades up. Uh, so I was trading about a quarter million at the age of 20, 21-ish. And I turned that into a quite substantial profit of initially because I was trading really, really aggressively. So for the, in the first three months, I made 36% return. And then like everyone was talking about it. I was the talk of the town, man. You know, it was easy though, dude. I would just buy things and it would go up. It wasn't hard. This was all luck. This is, as everyone can listen, zero skills involved. But I eventually lost all the money, obviously, um, in, the, in the silver bubble that popped in 2000, late 2010, early 2011. And I, I own the unofficial Guinness World Book of Records for buying silver at its highest price of all time. Yep. I bought it with call options too. 
which if your listeners don't know, call options are something that expire worthless in a certain period of time. So it wasn't even the stock. It was a thing that went to zero eventually. <laughs> wow. So it did. It went to zero, bro. I held all of it. It was deplorable. How hard was obviously the loss, but, and I've gone through this as a manager, not a zero out, but when you get washed out like that, what were the conversations like with the investors? I have a current business partner right now. Her name is Brittany Turner. She told me once that she will never work with anyone who hasn't lost at all or gotten very close to it because she wants to know what they're made of. And I called each one, including my dad, and I did have some liquid courage. I'm going to be honest, everyone listening. I had a pint uh, uh, or two. And would call him on the phone and go, hey, man, I lost your money. Or, hey, lady, I lost your money. But here's what I'm going to do. And I'm sorry. And this is how I lost it. I'm going to pay you back. And I'm going to pay you back the same interest that I promised you because I told him I'd promise him 36% return. I was like, listen, I'm not going to be able to do it year over year. So I'm just going to take what you gave me. And I'm just going to pay back a 36% return. And I'm going to do it over 10 years. And so at the time, it was about $400,000 that I had to pay back to numerous individuals over a 10-year span at the time. That was what my brain was allowing myself. And I just did some math. And I was like, okay. And then I learned that it's all about the questions you ask will determine quality of your life that you live. And I asked a very specific question. I asked the question, how can I make $6,000 a month? That was a question I asked. $4,000 to pay people back, which is forty, you know, $48,000 a year, essentially. And that over 10 years is $408,000. That's 36% of $400,000. Boom, everyone's happy, good to go. I did that for a few months. And I started making $6,000 a month right? With sales and work, right? I wasn't trading at the time. Now I was just trying to collect money and make money with my other resources and skill sets. Then I started, okay, well, if I'm doing six, can I do seven? Maybe I can actually afford enough money to eat. (laughs) That'd be crazy. Change the questions, got different answers and just slowly started scaling business and work and sales and commissions and all that stuff. And then I did quit uh, Nationwide Insurance in 2012 to pursue trading full-time. When did the cult come into play? I missed that one at, at yep. breakfast. I don't know if you want to get into it or not. I, or that I guess I've been, man. Episode yes. two. Did that take place during this time? Yeah, that was my whole life, bro. So the 20, when I was 24 is when I, what a lot of people refer to as left, escaped, got kicked out. The te- technical word is disfellowshipped. So the cult was the Jehovah's Witness organization. And I was in that for my whole life. So no birthdays, no, no Christmas, right? No holidays of any kind. Even going to school, I was like the black sheep, man. Like going to college, like you are, people do not like that for numerous reasons. But when I was 24, that's when I made some big shifts because I realized, so this is 2012, I realized, okay, the only way I do this is I got to work my face off. And the organization does not really condone people who work a lot and make a lot of money. And I had to, that was the only option to get people's money back because I had a code now that I had to live by paying people back. So I knew if I was going to make a lot of money and hustle and just really, really change, I was going to have to leave. And so without going into extremely ridiculous detail, um, I made sure that that was the case is that I got kicked out. And when you get kicked out of an organization like that, a cult, all my family members at the time who were witnesses and all my friends, which were the only people I knew, those only people you could associate with are Job's witnesses. You don't have outside friends. You're not allowed to have outside friends at all. So everyone left. Everyone stopped talking to me. Everyone's leaving me from their phone, their Facebooks, their communication devices. I was fully kicked out on my own at the age of 24. Uh, with one exception, I was married. Witnesses, as most cult religions, get married very early. And so I was married at the time. And at 21, I got married. And so at 24, I also got divorced. So it was divorced, kicked out of the religion, lost everyone's money, working on paying it back, moving to a different state, which was Nashville, Tennessee from Florida. I just made one life shift and like an hour, I decided, cut everything off and just jumped. You talk about this 
life shift an hour. Did you think about going the other way and just saying like, F it, I'm out. I'm just going to walk away from this whole deal. Thought about it. Yeah. Cause I was like, man, I can just go back to comfort, right? Um, I can go back to everything that I know. And there's a very popular phrase out there that people will change for one of two reasons. They go through enough pain or are they seeking enough pleasure? And very, very, very rarely are people driven by pleasure. Most people are motivated by pain. And that was it for me. I was going through so much pain. I needed to make a shift, but I am actually hardwired for pleasure. So I, I saw all the things that I wanted and I didn't have in my life and I was restrained from having. I wanted those things. And so I just, I did, man. My brain just went, like I kind of lost my mind for a little bit, went off the deep end essentially, but just said, screw it, man. This is my life. Like, this is what I want to do. I need to make this move. And I did. I just took the, the massive leap of action. So there's a difference between this intellectual pursuit, this mental shift, right? You have it. But considering your background and what you had just gone through, there's no playbook for you, right? I mean, you don't have a lot of examples of success, multiple generations of affluent wealth generation or professionalism within the private sector. So like, what'd you do? So I just started surrounding myself with people that I thought were the epitome of success and wealth. And I would agree that they still are. So I did go to, and we talked about this a little bit this morning, but I, I went to a, a Tony Robbins convention. It's called Unleash the Power Within. I was like, I'm ready to be unleashed. <laughs> so I went there. Uh, I started going to tons of conferences, webinars, stock webinars. I met with a company in Nashville I started working with, and they were very into the motivational self-help, self-growth, money is amazing type of world. And it just, yeah, I just started working around people who were affluent and who made a lot of money. And true, true story, within two months of working at a particular company, they're like, dude, you got to get, you got to get new clothes. Like I would show up and I would show up to work in what I thought were like the, <laughs> the nicest clothes possible. And I mean, these really weird baggy, you know, jeans that I've been wearing for four years kind of thing. And like the same shirt over and over and over. It's because I had a very poor, very scarcity mindset. I mean, my whole life, that's how I grew up. I battle that to this day, man. There's always time to have to push myself a little bit out of my comfort zone. And there's a threshold, right? It's like $10,000 or less. Currently, I don't care. But anything over that, I still have to kind of think about it. And at that time, dude, it was like $10, you know, like $10. What? I got to pay $10 for anything. And I would always stress out. So yeah, it was, it was, man, I just had to surround myself. And that's when I realized that your network is your net worth. The people that you spend time around, that's who you become. And they would tell me that all the time in the organization and the Joe's witness, there's a scripture, I think in Ecclesiastes or Ephesians or something that says like, essentially you are who you associate with. Bad association spoils useful habits. Dude, good association amplifies everything about who you are. That was the part they always left out. So I'll just hang out with great people like you, even though you and I hadn't met until recently. I would spend people, quality people like yourself, man, who are always growing and pouring into the pursuit of knowledge. So you're, 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 you start associating with people that you identify as quote unquote successful. And, and we can use a, a bank account dollar figures for success in this context, I think is, yeah. is probably fair. Totally. You start going to these conferences and are you still trading at this time? You investing? Mm -hmm. Yep, I am. All the story. Just your own account though at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Just my own account. Story, story does definitely get very fun from here. So I'm, I'm spending time here in Nashville. I think that those are the young entrepreneurs center or entrepreneurs center had a young entrepreneurs group, whatever. So I met them, started meeting a bunch of friends, connecting with them and to really encapsulate a lot of the pain that's coming because I wasn't over yet in my journey. Two years later, when I was 26, I'm still trading my money, which I'm, I borrowed a bunch of money at this point, cash advances, credit cards, all kinds of different money came into my life when I needed it. 
to just pay people back and just to stack gains. And then, you know, I had, I had a salary and income and jobs and sales and commissions and all that stuff. So what I ended up doing is my nephew, uh, his name is Donovan. Donovan had an annuity that no one knew about. He was born premature and at his, I don't know, four or five hours after his birth or something, one of the hospital workers spilt boiling or hot water on his body, burned half of his body. And his parents obviously sued the hospital. They won, of course, and they put the money, the malpractice money or whatever, into a annuity and annuity. And that annuity grew without anyone knowing. Everyone in our family, including my nephew, we were as poor as you can get in the U.S., I would argue, um, forever, right? Until our whole lives. He didn't know that he had this money until he was 21. I didn't know he had this money until he was 25. So he's about three and a half, four years younger than I was. When we found out it was millions of dollars, millions of dollars. At this point, I knew how to trade it. What year is this? So this is, so if I'm 25, that was uh, eight years ago. So what'd you buy? Well, no. So that was interesting is we, yeah, we started buying everything in a good way because at this point, I'm 25 going into 26. I now know the mistakes. I have been trading stocks essentially seven hours a day for the last four years. I've been reading books. I've been going to seminars. I've been going to conferences. I now know I have a bachelor's degree in making money, I guess what you would call it. And we started trading it. He wanted to be a farmer. That was his goal was to farm. Like he loved farming, man, like to a next level. He wanted to buy a real like land. And we, we did cotton and corn and soybeans and watermelon and grain sorghum and just all, like all kinds of crops, machines. We started buying uh, international harvesters. And I, I learned tons about, fun fact, commodities are still traded on the market. So I can literally go and look at the price of cotton, the price of soybeans, the price of lumber, the price of cows. I can go and I not only can see the charts at this point, I know how to trade them. So him and I are now betting and playing futures perspectives on actual deliverables, which is intriguing because I can buy a, essentially I can buy a bunch of soybeans, know exactly what price to sell them at because he's the one selling the soybeans to the person. So we're able to play commodities and we start making a lot of money. And now we start to buy and create, not necessarily buy, probably should have. We started building new businesses. We had uh, seven or eight different businesses together. And one was a cardboard recycling company. We had a, a pecan wholesaling company. We had a recycling company, garbage company. We had a, a, a gas station that we were about to purchase. We were buying a bunch of land, real estate, homes, like crazy. And we were selling, as the listeners I'm sure here know, we were selling the annuity current value for future value paid out, right? So, you know, we would take a discount. The company, I think, was Peachtree Investments. They were the one buying the annuity from us. And we got to a point where we were stretching a little thin. There was some 16,000 acres for sale in the middle of Georgia. We're going to buy this land, Brian, and guy is doing an owner financing. We started talking to him and he goes, hey, man, you guys are doing amazing, but you can't do this without him, pointing to me. And you, you can't do this without him, pointing to Donovan, because it was his money. I was doing everything in his name because I was also getting sued at the time. Whole other story. I had to go through a lot of pain to figure this stuff out, man. <laughs> so I did everything in his name. So this lawsuit couldn't come back on me or him. Or, so all this was in his name. The guy says, you guys need to get a key man insurance policy on each other. Didn't know what that was. Uh, you need to get, you need to make this a business. You need to make this legitimate, get an operating agreement. Never heard that term before. You need to do all these things and structure it legitimately rather than a handshake deal. And we're like, okay, cool. We'll do that. That was on a Thursday. Donovan died in a boating accident that Saturday. We were going to get all the life insurance, everything handled that Monday. And so... You know, I lost my, my best friend, uh, my business partner, person I talked to every day since I was four, uh, since he was born. And yeah, we, we lost, uh, initially I lost everything, including 
the thing that was most important to me, which was his life and lost it in the sense that it went into his mother's name and just wasn't a financially conducive time for everyone else and just didn't work out. So that was the second time I lost everything. I mean, it seems the easy question is how that make you feel. But I mean, at this point, given everything you'd gone through second time around another, you know, just devastating circumstance. I mean, how did you pull yourself back up from that? That one took a little, took a little bit harder. I went down the route that I think a lot of um, men listening will probably sympathize with or emphasize with was alcohol and drugs, man. (laughs) All right. I'm going through so much pain because again, I was getting sued. My dad also passed away. I I was going through a lawsuit, which I ended up settling uh, right after Domin died. And there was just, man, it was one thing after another, after another, I was getting really mad with God. I was getting really mad at everything, dude. It was just, I was sabotaging myself. And the only thing I had was the stock market to keep this all together. I had a tribe, I had a group of people that loved me, that cared about me, that I would pour into them on a daily basis. That's all I had to help me support this. But yeah, man, drugs and alcohol and just suppressing all the pain and just burying it deep, deep down inside and never talking about it. And the exploration of all that, the explosion of all that, and really my most unprecedented growth has all happened in the last three years from 30 to 33. And that is when I became essentially sober. I drink currently, but very, very rarely. Came sober, did tons of healing, man. I went, I went into internal route rather than the money and the fame and the glory. Like instead of going out and trying to just get more of it, I realized that this was an internal thing. I need to figure this out internally. So I cut everything out of my life and just focus on me for a while and focus on my body, focus on my performance, focus on what I was putting into my body and doing a lot of healing. And so the last three or four years, that's just been my, my journey. And uh, it has allowed me to finally heal and get over all those wounds. And, and back into the market. Want to learn more about investing in alternatives? Get started by joining the Capital Club, where you'll get exclusive access to alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, and an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals. You can sign up by going to our website at www.excelsiorgp.com. The recurring theme with you is yeah, the market is kind of your savior here, right? Dude, that's, yes, man. Because if I ever had a money issue or if I ever had massive stress, or if I needed to ever break through, I could just go back to the market and it would allow, allow grace. It would allow money to come into my life. And money can solve all of, money can't solve all of your problems, but it can solve all of your money problems. And I thought most of my problems were money problems for a long time. And so I would just try to solve it with money because man, the market's easy, right? So without going too much into my journey, like I already did, but I mean, without belaboring the point, the stock market is incredible 30 minutes later <laughs> because this was it, your first talking point that we're just getting to. I know, dog. I'm so sorry. We were just en- engrossed in that pain. It was fun. Um, the stock market is so fun, man. It's so easy. It is second grade math. It is buy and sell, buy low, sell high, repeat this process over and over and over, scale, optimize, cash flow, buy assets, right? Like that is getting rich is easy, man. And I would always use the market to just help me in times of need. I mean, that seems like a throwaway comment to say that getting rich is easy. You've been able to do it three times, right? But it's not the case for everybody. I mean, can you, can you break that down a little bit for us here in terms of you just listed off like three or four things? I assume there's signposts and guideposts that you use for your own trading techniques. 100%. And 
what I want people to first start off with is you got to figure out the mental beliefs and where you're at and what you would believe about money and about work, right? You can work hard for money or you can play for money. You can get paid to play or you can get paid to work. You get to decide. And you can make money something that's hard and arduous and tough that you chase and strive after or something that's attracted to you and loves you, wants to hang out with you, wants to be with you. You get to pick all these internal beliefs about money. And for me in the stock market to make things, again, mathematically seamlessly easy as possible, if you buy a thousand shares of anything and it goes up a dollar, you make a thousand dollars. It goes up $2, you make 2,000. It goes up $3, you make 3,000. If I can buy a thousand shares of anything and place a stop loss at 50 cents, I can lose 500 to make a thousand. And I lived by one principle for a very long time, concentrate to get rich, diversify to stay wealthy. And I learned from Mark Cuban way long ago, not directly from him, but just like a YouTube video. Diversification is for people who don't study. And I sat down and took the time to study. I learned certain markets and I learned certain projects and approaches very, very well. And one of them happened to be Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And that was in 2015. And it, it worked out well. And yes, it grew. And yes, I got lucky. And yeah, it worked. That was fun. But also, like you mentioned in the uh, in the intro, like Square, I bought Square at 12. You know, it went up to 100 very quickly. I bought Tesla when everyone said it was the worst investment of all time, right? I bought Apple. Well, yeah, obviously extremely early, but I've bought it many other times in the past. So the approach of, do you know something enough to put money behind it? The answer is generally yes. Everyone here on this call listening knows that Google is going to go higher in the next 10 years. Everyone. I had a guy come over to my house, ask me, hey man, what do you think about Google? I said, he said, I have $100,000 liquid to invest. What should I do? This was three years ago. I told him, hey man, take all that 100,000, buy Google, leave it alone. He was like, what about diversification? What about don't put all of your eggs in one basket? All the fun limiting beliefs that people know about. Like dude, Google is like the seventh largest company in the world at the time. Everyone uses it. It's a verb. It's a noun. It's going to continue to go higher. They make so, they make ungodly amounts of money. If you buy Google, just hold on to it and just leave it alone. You're going to crush. And he did. That portfolio is now worth $700,000, right? Buying $100,000 three years ago was a good. So concentrate, right? Focus, know your stuff and get in it. So high conviction, high concentration. Don't scoreboard watch every day. Correct. Let it go. Yeah. But but then there there have to there has to be a mindset around the losers, right? I mean, mm -hmm. at some point you've got to cut your losses and you can't just keep, you know, as Wall Street says, try to catch a falling knife. Bingo, precisely. And I have a, a pretty popular video on YouTube called The Difference Between Buying the Dip and Catching a Falling Knife. Because there is, and there's a technical difference, and there's a chart difference, and there's a fundamental difference as well. But yeah, the, the classic rule, right? Don't add to your losers, cut a losing trade. So you'll know, I usually tell people within a year, right? Is that asset going up or down? Did you buy it? So if you bought something at 30 and it's now at 10, not a good idea to add to that trade, right? If you bought it at 30, now it's at 50, you can place a stop loss order at 30. So now you're guaranteed to never lose money because if it goes down to 30, you're at least breaking even or you put it at 31, bought it at 30 and then just ride it and keep adding to it over time. So yes, there's certain principles absolutely that should be studied. And I created those principles for free. And most individuals uh, have a hard time understanding that concept, but I make a lot of money trading. I didn't need to make money off these courses. And there was tons and tons of programs and courses out there that people charge way too much money for. And that was one of the reasons I got sued is because I put out all this content, every content, all the secrets that Wall Street and hedge funds keep from people, I made for free. And there's a lot of people that did not like that, but it's still there, it's available, and it's really, really great content. What got you into Bitcoin originally? I had a coaching student um, that reached out for some day trading advice from Israel back in 20, early 2014, actually. And he wanted to pay me in Bitcoin. 
I had no idea what that was. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want US dollars. And he's like, dude, just a promise kind of thing. And he did that 2014, early 2014. And that Bitcoin was like a hundred dollars at the time. There was a big bubble in 2014 that no one knows about. Coin went from a hundred to a thousand and then back down to 200. A hundred to a thousand, I was in. I sold it at like 900 and some change, cashed it out, went to the bank, held the dollars in my hand. I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is actual real money. This is legit. And started studying it like a madman. You still in that trade? Uh, I'm not in that exact trade. No, I do still own Bitcoin um, from $253 that I bought back in 2016, uh, early 2016 and late 2015. And I've been buying most of those assets for a while. I do have some that I own long-term. I have some that I have short-term, right? Because I, I, what am I saying is if it has a chart, it has a heart. You can trade anything. I don't trade commodities anymore. You can trade commodities, Forex, cryptocurrencies, stocks, options. It is about education, but the education is relatively easy. Once you learn the education, it's the education forever. It's like a, it's like a car, gas or accelerator, brake, handbrake, steering wheel, review your mirrors, whatever. Now you're 16, you're terrified driving a car. When you're me and Brian, right, our age, you're shaving, <laughs> eating a cheeseburger, driving with your knee, answering on a cell phone. The fear goes away because the education's been there. You now know. And the mindset, don't drink and drive. Don't drive distracted. Don't text while you're driving. The mindset is still there. That always has to be improved, but the education never goes. So here we are in Q1 of 2022. Crypto's been absolutely hammered, just crushed. Are you a long-term hold on that? I am on that particular, on the on the early, early pieces. Yes, for sure. Um, cr- stocks are also kind of getting crushed a little bit as well. So crypto and stocks are going down in Q1 of 2022. And I kind of expect that to most likely continue to, to happen. They're going to see some some good volatility, mostly mostly to the downside, some choppiness. I think we need it. I think that's healthy. I think it's expected. Corrections are very, very needed in markets and healthy markets to avoid bubbles. And I'm glad we're getting it, man. Uh, we really need to. And I don't think we're quite done yet with the selling, but I will be a net long buyer for sure. May, April, May on a nice little, a bigger dip in the general markets and the crypto markets. I will definitely be a net buyer. So now you work with people to help guide them through the market, through being a trader. Why don't you run other people's money? I have before. And the reason I don't do it now is because I lose my freedom when that happens. And I've done it before. I still have a lot of scars from that. I I don't think I've fully healed from those all. But if I want to take a four-week vacation and go to Bali with my wife and kids and not have to answer the phone call and just go surfing all day, I can. But if I start managing other people's money, I don't think I can. And now changes a little bit. Now there's a, a responsibility. And it's not that I shy away from responsibility. I think I shy away from that particular responsibility because money carries a very specific type of energy and people are very, very attached to that energy. So I want to uh, give them that responsibility rather than... How do you find joy these days? Joy, happiness, and prosperity for me, man, is about being as much as possible. A lot of people will say, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. I'm busy. I'm slammed. They are human doings, not human beings. My objective in life is to try to center, to be present. I get pure joy, happiness, fulfillment, enthrallment, and enrichment from from being, from being in the moment, from looking into the eyes of my child, from holding my wife's hand, from going on hikes, going on walks. I am an ultra marathon runner. I also do like really, really ridiculously, insanely, just stupidly physically hard challenges. Uh, this month, I'm doing the calendar club with push-ups, which is 100 push-ups of the day. So today is 1,100 push-ups, tomorrow will be 1,200 and so on. And uh, I like those challenges because it breaks and makes men men. It makes it gives men challenges and men, I think, always need challenges and conquest. So that's another part of it. But just enjoying life, man, being free and knowing what your purpose is and living that purpose will create unparalleled energy. 
You're doing 1,100 push-ups a day? Is that what you said? 1,100 push-ups today. Yeah, tomorrow will be 1,200. How do you break it down? So right now I'm doing sets of 30 every 15 minutes, essentially. So right when I get down to this webinar. <laughs> knock out 30? Yeah, I'm going to knock out 30 and just think away. 100, 100 a day incrementally for the whole year? Is that? The whole month. The whole month. The month. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, that's a lot of push-ups. It's a lot of push-ups. It's going to be right around 40, 48,000 push-ups when I'm finished in this month. Whoa. That's yeah. a lot of work. What got you into ultra running? Training for an event called 29029. Um, that's one with Jesse Isler. It's where you climb the equivalent of Mount Everest uh, as far as elevation gain and has all the safety and most of the perks. So training for that was a big, big revolution in my physical world because that's a very, very physically challenging event. And I had to run a lot to prepare for that. And I realized how, how sucky I was at running, bro. I still hate running. Let me be very clear and put that on record. I hate it. It is hard. It is horrible. It is demeaning. I'm bad. I look bad at it. I'm, I'm not a pretty runner. You know, there's a lot of guys that look beautiful and graceful. Not me, man. I look like a white asparagus just flopping around the wind. So I run because it's hard. And I know that it's a discipline that I need to do. And it's so hard that I keep doing it until I'm good at it. And so one day, if I become good at it, I'll probably stop. So I, I, I love working out. We talked about that a little bit at breakfast. And I find it hugely mentally calming and an, an anti-anxiety method for me personally. But when you get into the ultra stuff and you talk about pain and suffering, what's the end game there? So I hope your listeners know how ripped you are, by the way, <laughs> just in case they don't. In case they don't. My, my boy, Brian. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pay Jeremy to say that, although he did pick up breakfast today. <laughs> my, boy, my boy works out. Uh, this guy is jacked. So the pain approach, man, I think brings clarity and awareness to why we are here. Because at some point, at a certain distance, at a certain anguish and threshold, you will reach a space where you forget everything else other than your breath. And it takes a while to get there for most guys, but you forget the pain, you forget bills, responsibilities, your schedule, all the stuff that goes on in our, in our men's mind every day, which, you know, ladies and men, we're obviously totally wildly differently, but I know men very well, obviously. And I think we do have tons of beliefs and fears that we just don't express them. They're internal all the time. That pain, bro, bring all that to the surface and we get to deal with it and we become better fathers and better husbands when we figure out that pain we figure out that anguish and we can release it, heal from it and move on. Does your background, the, the, the poverty, the, the religious affiliation, the failures, does it change how you define success as an adult? It did for a long time. Yeah. For a long time, like success for me was like, dude, just make a bunch of money. Oh, most people, right? Million dollars or whatever. I was like, ah, you know, that'd be great hitting that spot. Right now, my definition of success is recognizing an opportunity because I've realized that success needs to be easy, needs to be accomplishable quickly, immediately, simplistically. And that's how I currently define success. And it's important because your brain, the definitions of every word that you have, your brain will create the world that you live in based on the definitions of the words that you use. In terms of defining your mindset, defining your... Every approach to life, the inputs that you're taking in and then how you're seeing the world. My guy, that's it, man. Like if you define success as I have to have a smoking hot wife, three kids, a Labrador, a Tesla, a BMW, you know, 5,000 square foot house, blah, 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 TV, whatever. And you start going down this whole list and that's your mind. And if you don't in a moment have those things, you aren't successful. And if you aren't successful, you're probably not happy. And if you're probably not happy, you're pursuing happiness. And if you're pursuing happiness, you're in a striving, achieving mode, which is taxing 
and reduces people in our, as men, our energy level and depletes who we are. And uh, I think that's just not a great way of living. I've lived it, man. I know that it's not fantastic. Yeah. I personally think the problem for a lot of people is they've gotten everything they ever wanted and mm-hmm. it hasn't solved their problems. Mm-hmm. My man, exactly. hundred percent. Because that success bar keeps getting pushed. I've gotten here. Now what? I keep getting here. Now I keep getting here. So we're always pursuing and that pursuit, man, it's just taxing. You know, conceptually, they call it the, the treadmill, right? Like yeah. you become, you become numbed to the satisfaction that you, you thought you received once you get that house, right? Once you get the car and you get bored with it. So then you need the beach house, then you need the private plane and then you need X, Y, Z and you know, that's a treadmill to nowhere. Right. Right. Uh, essentially. I mean, how many really rich musicians and actors who we would assume have tons of success kill themselves? You know, how many times have we seen a movie where a really, really rich person kills himself because of a stock market crash or whatever? The things you own end up owning you. And I'm not saying I'm a minimalist, although I think probably people would define me that way. It's great to achieve. And that's why I think those physical conquests that we can do as guys, that can be amazing, right? 10 push-ups every 10 minutes for an hour, even though it's not life-changing. Just doing that can give that sense of fulfillment and that accomplishment and that growth and that achievement that you might be seeking in that success mode. Yeah. Three best investing ideas right now. What you got? Yeah. (laughs) Markets are getting reamed right now. Uh, I say that like PayPal, you know, one of my favorite companies, PayPal's down 70%. So these, these are going to be some great discounts eventually. When are they going to pause? I don't know. So my only opinion is this. If you are going to invest, do what I call the accumulation method. So the accumulation method is if you have $100,000, don't take $100,000 and just buy PayPal. Buy it $10,000 for a week or 10 weeks. I got to sneeze really quick on, I think. We can edit it out. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's do- dollar cost averaging. like Yeah, essentially. I mean, so right now, I mean, PayPal, I think is a very, very unique opportunity. Tesla is going to be a quite interesting opportunity, probably at 700. Right now it's at 857. Advanced micro devices is going to be a really, really interesting um, purchase around 95. So I do think the overall markets can and likely do continue a little bit lower than they are right now, present day. But essentially invest in what you know and just make sure you really like the product. So if you hate Facebook and you're not using Facebook, you're not a fan of Facebook and you haven't used it, you don't use WhatsApp, don't use Instagram, don't spend money there, don't buy Facebook. Right. If you have all Apple products, buy Apple. If you have all Google products, buy Google. But invest in what you know, do a little bit of research, but top three best investing advice. And since you're absolutely asking, I think it's a great question. I would say, yeah, man, PayPal, AMD, and Apple. I love it. We'll have to do another one to see how it works out in six months. Yeah. That's good, man. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Jeremy. If people want to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, what you're all about, keep up with your chip when you're doing these crazy races, <laughs> how can they get in touch? Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Um, easiest way, I mean, you can find me on all, all social media outlets, whatever social media you prefer. My stock market education company is reallifetrading.com. And my personal website is just Jeremy Newsom, Jeremy with two R's. My dad's name is Jerry. So it stands for Jerry and me. So jeremynewsom.com is my website, Instagram, all that fun stuff. But yeah, if you ever reach out, I'm always available. I love pouring into people and just helping guide and fulfill people's dreams. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for joining us. I look forward to staying in touch now that I know that you're my neighbor. (laughs) Likewise, man. I'm excited about it. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. 
If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.